know me, my name's Brooke. I am the youth pastor here. And I've been, I've been here for about eight years. So I've had a lot of Kairos experiences. My past two Kairos experiences though, I had a hurt knee. All right, and so if your knees hurt, anyone here ever had a knee injury? Raise your hand if you have a knee. Yeah, so all the people on knee injury, you feel, you feel my pain. Hey, Heather, <laughs> you feel my pain. I hate, like, it's the worst thing ever. So two Kairoses ago, during Kairos, I was turning the corner, playing a game, and my knee popped out of place. Uh, then the next Kairos, the night before Kairos, a bunch of leaders were playing soccer, and I stopped too quick, and my knee popped out of place again. Literally, the day before Kairos, so I was on crutches for like a bunch of kairoses. So praise God, I was not on crutches this time. I know, like, let's go, Jesus. And so like, so knee injuries are the worst. So I remember the first time I hurt my knee, what ended up happening was, um, for whatever reason, I tore my, so I tore my ACLs in high school. Soccer was my sport, absolutely loved it. For whatever reason, the doctor told me, uh, just try physical therapy. Just try to do physical therapy and keep playing. But I would play and it would pop out of place. So then it'd be swollen, I'd have to ice it for a few weeks, I'd play, pop out of place. Like I was so committed, like I, I had transferred schools for soccer this year, I was trying everything and eventually the doctor was like, hey, the only way you're gonna be able to play again is if you get surgery. <laughs> like we know the problem, we've exposed it, but you'll never be able to play the way you used to play until you get the surgery done. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll have to get the surgery. Um, we are finishing this silent killer series. And what I wanna talk about today is the surgery that we need to get done to defeat these silent killers. Because throughout the series, a lot of us, a lot of us have exposed these silent killers. Like we've gotten the, the MRI or the X-ray and we have, we have exposed, our shame has been exposed, our anger has been exposed, our bitterness has been exposed, our anxiety has been exposed, but it's not enough to just expose it, we have to get the surgery. We have to get the surgery to actually get rid of these silent killers and to keep them gone. And today the silent killer that we're gonna talk about is the killer of silence. The silent killer of silence. The silent killer of all silent killers is your silence. And we fail to defeat the same way they defeat us with silence. See, silence is exactly what will keep the silent killer powerful. What happens is when we don't speak up and we don't talk about the silent killers, then we're making it more powerful. But every time we expose it, every time we speak up, every time we talk against it, we are making that silent killer more vulnerable. We're allowing it to be exposed because silence has a way of hiding, but speaking reveals. And speaking is the surgery that we need to heal these silent killers. It's not enough to just discover these silent killers. We have to start to defeat them. And the way that we defeat them is out loud. The way we will defeat these silent killers is out loud. But why don't we do this? I know, I know for me, it's like the surgery. Going into the surgery, I didn't want to get it because I was fearful. I didn't, I didn't want to go into surgery like I never had surgery before. There, there's fear that some of us have, and it's a legitimate fear. Maybe we don't have trust because maybe you have spoken out before and you've been hurt in your speaking out. We see this even culturally. You have gymnasts who have spoken out and nothing was done originally. Or even in churches where people have spoken out against things that have hurt them and nothing happened. I get it. I get that it is hard. I get we have trust issues. I get that we have fear. But I promise you, if we do it the way God intended, there could be real healing. Because silence, it affects our relationships. If you're a parent, you know, if you're in here, it'll affect your parenting. If you're married, it affects your marriage. And it affects us. 
every time we choose to remain silent. The tension is that we see verses in the Bible, all throughout scripture, we've even heard teachings about not speaking up, right? Like, like you need to hold your tongue or we don't need to be silent. And so the question that we have today is, so when am I not silent? When do I speak up? When do I use my voice? And we're gonna answer that today because in Ecclesiastes it says there's a time to remain silent, but there's also a time to speak. I have one verse for you guys today. If you go ahead and stand to your feet as a way to honor God's word, just this one verse, and it's in Proverbs 18. Some of you might know it. Some of you might have heard it. Proverbs 18, 21, it's the one verse that we're going to kind of base everything off of today, which is the tongue has power of life and death. The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Jesus, I pray right now that you would even use my mouth, my words to bring life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. The tongue has power of life and death, and this is when we're supposed to speak up whenever it comes to having life. So I was driving a couple weeks ago here in Gainesville, and there was a car coming that I did not see. And thank God I had a friend in the passenger seat who screamed at me really loud. Do I have any of you that scream at someone who's driving? Yeah, yeah. Screamed at me really loud. And thank God she did because literally if she did not yell in that moment to stop, I did not see the car coming. And we would have been hurt really badly. It would have been bad. I needed her to speak up in that moment. And even today, like the whole sermon, the message is your silence is deadly anytime words are lively. Your silence is deadly anytime words are lively. And the same way I needed her to literally speak up in that moment or else I would have been dead. There are words of life that we have been sitting on. And anytime you don't speak those out, it's actually death in others sometimes or maybe even death of yourself. We have to start speaking out and using our words because the words have power of life and death. So when do we break the silence? When do we use the power of our words? Anytime our words contain life. Anytime your words contain life. And there's three areas that you see throughout scripture where it talks about using your words. And I wanna talk about the power of life that happens in these three areas. The power of life happens first in the spilling out. That is our confession. The power of life happens through your confession. We see this in the Psalm, uh, in Psalm 32, you have David. I'm gonna read these, these three verses. It says, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Verse three, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then, verse five, I acknowledged my sin to you. I didn't cover my inequities. I said, I will confess. Say confess. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me. You forgave the guilt of my sin. See, there's pain in silence, but there's freedom in breaking the silence. We have to be a church who's willing to confess who's willing to confess our sins, who's willing to bring things out because confession always brings life and silence is deadly anytime words are lively. 
See, when I hurt my knee, the problem was, was originally they didn't know what was wrong with it. They did an x-ray, that couldn't figure out what was wrong with it, and then they did the MRI because an MRI was, had a different images they could take to capture the images to expose what was wrong with it. See, I couldn't just keep on playing soccer and hope my knee would heal. I actually needed to figure out what the problem was. I needed to, if I was gonna get surgery, I needed to figure out what I was gonna get surgery on. And what the MRI did was it exposed what was happening. See, when it comes to our confession, what we're doing in that moment is you are exposing the things that are happening because if you don't, you'll never be able to heal it. Here's, something, here's another way to say it. You can never heal what is hidden. If I didn't get an MRI, if I didn't figure out, I, I would never even be able to get the surgery. You will never be able to heal what is hidden. This is why confession brings life, because there is healing in our confession. And as long as we keep on hiding the things that are happening, hiding the secret sins, hiding the offenses against us, then we're going to allow the enemy to slowly kill us. See, silence is deadly anytime words are lively. His purpose is to heal, church. God's purpose is never to humiliate, but confession was always so he could heal because sin exposed saves. Whenever you expose your sin, the enemy knows this. The enemy does not want you to expose your sin because the second you do, if you bring it to the right person, you could actually be saved. The second you do, you actually, there is, there is a way out. Every sin exposed is an invitation to our Savior because exposure, exposure heals and it does not shame. In James 5, verses 13 through 16, it says, Is any among you sick? Let them pray. Break that silence. Let them sing songs of praise. Let them call to the elders. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. But verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray so that you can be healed. You can never heal what is hidden. And it's time for us to start confessing so that we could be healed. See, our temptation, I get it, our temptation is to hide, but the only place to hide is in God. See, David, even in the Psalm, when you get to verse seven of the, of the Psalm, it says, you are my hiding place. You're gonna be the one that's gonna protect me. See, God becomes our hiding place. When we confess in him, he has us covered. He says that he will not give us shame, but he's actually going to cover us. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame, is what the Bible says, because he covers us, because he's our hiding place. Now I get it, the enemy loves to take our things, our junk, our sin, and he loves to couple it with shame, and he loves to whisper things in your ear to get you to not confess. Especially if you're a leader. He loves to say things like, well, you're a leader. There's, you can't confess that. Who are you possibly gonna say that to? Like people are gonna look down. You're gonna lose your position if you say that, right? Or you can't say that sin. Like that's weird. Like don't, don't mention like that sin. No one, no one speaks of that, so don't say that. Or people are gonna judge you if you confess that. Like these are the lies that we start to hear and it stops us from confessing. See, silence will keep you in hiding, but speaking will always lead to healing. Silence will keep you in hiding, but your speaking, your confession will lead to healing. Confess, spill out, share with someone that you trust. See, the enemy will always try to shame you, will try to lead you into guilt, but every time you're stuck in a place of guilt, you're actually stripping Jesus of his grace. See, the Bible says we have to approach the throne of grace boldly. 
That there's a reason why we have a throne of grace, because we need it. <laughs> At least I do. Like, I, I absolutely need his grace. And what's the point of it being there if I'm not even willing to go approach him? If I'm not willing to go to it? If I'm not willing to confess? See, don't despise conviction, but let it lead you to confession. See, guilt, what guilt is a lot of time is it's this conviction, and conviction is good. Church, I need you to hear me. Conviction is good. I pray that I will always stay convicted because I know I'm not perfect. So I'm like, God, please, please let me have a heart of conviction because the moment I don't, that's when I'm scared. The moment I feel like I don't need the Lord or I don't need his conviction, conviction is good. Just don't let it lead you to condemnation. Instead, let it lead you to confession. It says, if we confess our sins in 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive you of your sins. There is only one who can forgive you of your sins, and he did. He did. If you confess. If you confess. See, maybe you're in here and you're like, I, I have nothing to confess, though. Like, there, I, I, I genuinely don't. Like, I, I confess every day. I know how much of a mess I am. Like, I, I'm good. Okay, are you a person that someone could confess to? See, this is the other part. Church, I want us to be people, a place where you can confess something to. Nothing breaks my heart more than when I hear someone told someone something. They finally stepped out. They finally confessed. They finally had this word, and then they felt condemned immediately. They felt judged immediately. Someone, someone said something to them that made them regret ever saying anything in the first place. Church, we need to be the safest place to confess. And for some reason, this is the place where people feel the, the most scared to confess. Where people feel like, well, I, I, I won't be judged. I, I, I'll be judged if I say that there. No, no, no. This is a place where you, where you are freely able to come and confess knowing that your brother, your sister has your back and that they're going to cover you. Don't lead others to condemnation, but also love them to confession. It's our kindness that leads to repentance. That's what the Bible says. It's your kindness that leads to repentance. And I wish, I hope, my prayer is that this church will be known of a church that is kind, of a church that is safe, of a church that is a place that you could go to. As a youth pastor, my, my prayer is, is that every single student, that every single student, their secrets would be revealed. The students in here are like, dang. <laughs> Here's why, because I know that it'll make you whole. Here's because I want you to be whole. I don't know how many secrets are represented in this room right now, but I know that for some of you, it's killing you. I know for some of you, you've been sitting on it and you've allowed it to fester up into something that's not true. See, silence, it could kill, especially when we have words that have life. It's time for us to confess it's time for you to have a safe place to know that you can confess. The power of life happens in the spilling out and our confession. So I have, a, I have a sister who, when she was 16, she started living with me. And so uh, all you parents in there, especially parents of teenagers, I feel you. Um, I didn't get the first 16 years, so I got them you know, right at the age of 16. It was great. The first thing I learned about parenting, though, is you have to hide your food. See, all the parents are laughing. The first thing I learned is you have to hide your food. So I don't know if any of you have ever had Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Mm. 
But if you have, <laughs> they are so good. Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut. I remember I bought a whole tub of them. I got home and my sister literally ate the whole tub of the dark chocolate peanut butter cups. I was so disappointed. So the next time I bought them, I was like, ah, I have a great idea. I'm going to hide them. So I put them in my car. Yeah, if you're from Florida, you already know that's like a really bad idea. I, I'm from here. <laughs> I should have known. So I put on my car thinking this will be the place she won't find them. And she didn't, but the sun did. <laughs> and those peanut butter cups became a peanut butter cup. <laughs> it was a bowl. And you know, like sometimes when something melts, you could like put it in the refrigerator and it'll like salvage it and you'll be good to go. Like, no, like the, the wrapper was like all up inside of it. There was just, there was no, they were ruined. So my whole other box of peanut butter cups were ruined because I hid it in the wrong place. Some of us have hidden things in the wrong place. And we've ended up hiding them in a place because the only place where you should bring things is to the Lord. <laughs> That's the right place. You're like, what's the right place? And we've hidden things in the wrong place. And what ends up happening is when you hide it in the wrong place, it takes on a new identity. The same way my chocolate peanut butter cups took on this new identity, we start to hide our shame and we take on a new identity. We become the shame. We take on the identity and we become what that sin was. We all of a sudden let the sin name us instead of us naming the sin. All of a sudden we take on this new identity because we hid it in the wrong place. And this is what silent killers do if we don't unsilence them. They take on the wrong identity. And if you don't identify the sin, it will start to identify you. And you'll start to proclaim things about yourself that were never true that was never meant to be, it was never how you were actually designed. See, what was once identified as really good chocolate became uneatable, like I couldn't even eat it anymore. You couldn't even identify it anymore. And us, we are, the, the Father says you are created in his image. You're an image bearer of God. And some of you have become unidentifiable because you're not walking out in the identity that God gave you. Because you've allowed silent killers to reshape you because you've silenced it and you've hit it in the wrong places. We have to spill out, we have to confess, it's so freeing. God never called us to confess, to shame us, but he always wanted to free us. All right, there's power of life that happens in the spilling out and the confession. The second thing is there's power of life in the sharing too, and that's our testimony. There's a power of life when we share. I remember a month ago, my best friend, she had a baby, baby Emery, lover, and it happened on a Saturday. I remember Sunday, the next day at church, anyone who didn't know, I was like, did you know yet? Do you know? Did you know that Emery was born? And I showed her the pictures. I was, I was, you know, showing when if you're a parent, you know this. It's a natural thing to share. We naturally do this. If you get a promotion, you naturally will share about your promotion. Something good happens, you share about it. If, if you're, you know, if you're on a sports team and you did really great that you're, you're sharing about it. This is a very natural thing for us to do. But when it comes to like Christians, I'm just not seeing enough sharing. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Have we said so, church? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There comes this moment where, where all of a sudden now there's tension. It's like, oh, like, I can't share that with like, that group of friends. And, and we get weird and we, and we start to not share things, but we're supposed to share. Not just for us, 
but actually our sharing helps other people. In Revelations 12, 11, it says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The word, that means what you speak, the word of your confession of faith. Your very confession, your very sharing, your very testimony could help you overcome. And it could help other people overcome too. There is power in your words. That's why when Jenna said she had a word, absolutely, yes, come up, share. What is the Lord speaking? Confess it right now. Because for someone, whoever that word was for, just like that, something was able to break. Something was able to be healed. Share the good news. Share what he has done. It's easy for us to share things that are wrong, though. Right? I mean, I mean, at least if you're like me, it's a lot easier for me to go to a restaurant and if there's something bad that happens to leave a bad review than to leave a restaurant and leave a good review. We are naturally inclined to share the bad. I mean, our culture feeds off of it. Our culture actually profits off of it. And so we have to shift to we're actually going to share the good, the goodness of the Lord. I mean, I imagine a day where I could actually scroll through social media and I'm encouraged because all of the good things that are being shared on social media. <laughs> like, could you imagine? I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, your social media may not be like mine, but when I get off of it, I'm not like, whoa, yes. <laughs> like, I'm not super, like, lifted. My faith levels aren't any higher. But imagine if. Imagine if, like, I, I could not escape the goodness of the Lord coming from people's testimonies. Imagine if I couldn't escape the redeeming saying so. Imagine if I couldn't escape all the good posts and all the good things that are happening. Because I know we have stories, church. I know we have things to share because I know our Lord is good. And I know that we are redeemed. See, sharing it has this way of bringing life. And I get it. It's, it's awkward. Trust me, I work in youth ministry. I know what it's like to sit around and be like, all right, guys, what do you think? No one says anything. And I'm always like, it's okay. We just, I'll wait till someone talks. Like you have to, and parents, I want you to go there. I want you to go there. I want you to speak to your children. Share with them, encourage them. I remember one of the, thank God for community. I remember one of my friends told me once, hey, Brooke, you need to like encourage too. Don't just point out things that go wrong. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. Need to, and, but we're, we're naturally, naturally we're not great at this, but we can become great at it. Sharing has this way where it's going to bring life because someone says something and you're like, wait, wait, you struggle with that too? I don't know if anyone's ever had that moment where someone shares and you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not alone in that struggle. Like I, I always felt like I was alone. I always felt like I was the only one that had those thoughts or, or struggled with that sin. And sharing has a way of opening up and realizing you're not alone. See, the enemy's tricky. He tries to isolate you tries to make you think you're alone, tries to make you think you're the only one that's struggling. We have to speak out the words of our testimonies because we overcome through them. The Bible says that we are able to have an increase of faith through hearing his word. Faith comes through hearing the word of God. So are we sharing that? Are we helping increase people's faith by, by speaking things out so other people could actually hear it? See, the power of words have a way of reminding us of the power of his word. 
What I mean by that is when, whenever you start to, you're in a room with someone and they share testimony. Say for instance, they share, oh, like I've, I've been praying for this family member for 10 years and they finally came to know the Lord. Like I've been in a room that's happened and it's, it's reminded me like, oh wait, I don't ever wanna stop praying. Like it, if it worked for you, it could work for me. And then all of a sudden my, my faith is stirred up again. Or I have someone who's like, man, I had the last $50 I had to my name, but God told me to give it away. And they give it away and then, you know, a week later, God blesses them with even more they gave away. And it reminds me like, oh God, like I wanna be like that. I wanna be generous like that. See, sharing has a way of stirring up other people's faith to do what God has called you to do has a way of helping us. But we tend to hide the good because it takes vulnerability. It exposes our weakness. But church, can I tell you that's a good thing? Because anytime we expose our weakness, we're actually bringing glory to his strength. It's not about us. Anytime we can expose our weakness, what it really does say is, not me, but you, God. (laughs) It's actually an invitation to... What the Bible says where it's like, hey, when I'm weak, you become strong. I don't know if anyone else wants the strength of the Lord in their life, but I do. (laughs) And so I want to recognize I am weak. And I want to be vulnerable. And I want to expose it. And I get it. It is hard. But silence is deadly anytime words are lively. And we need to start speaking life. Your boldness actually has the ability to lead to someone else's breakthrough. (laughs) If you were bold enough to speak out, you could actually lead to someone else's breakthrough from having that word. If you know me at all, you know that um, I like to scare people. Like, I, it's like a hobby of mine, like to prank people. Um, <laughs> it is, it's funny. So my roommates know it really well. And um, so one day I went to go scare one of them. Um, they're kind of used to it. And so I was like, you know, quietly trying to sneak in the room and hide behind the door, but my roommate saw that I was about to do it to my other roommate, and so she yelled, Brooke is hiding! (laughs) So she literally gave away, and they knew that I was about to scare her, and so then I wasn't able to scare her anymore. This is the application I have for you guys today. When silent killers quietly sneak in, I want us to quickly speak out. See, the same way that my roommate spoke out and I had no more power anymore because she called me out. I was trying to quietly make my way in, but she saw it and she spoke out. She called out so that I could not have any dominion over my other roommate being scared. That is what we need to do when it comes to silent killers. When they quietly try to sneak in, the moment you hear a voice, the moment something is trying to sneak in, I need us to quickly speak out so that we could kill the power of silent killers. I would love there to be a day where there's just all these heavenly sounds that we have in response to every silent killer. Sounds of thanksgiving, sounds of praise. This is why worship is so big. Like it's not us, it's all eyes on him and declaring his goodness, sounds of gratitude. The power of life, it happens in the spilling out, that's our confession, it happens in the sharing too, that's our testimony, but then it happens in the speaking up. And that's our defense. That's us defending other people. In Proverbs um, 31, eight through nine, it says to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. See, our words, they bring life, especially when we're speaking up for other people. But our words are also very timely. Like there is a time in which we're supposed to speak. 
See, I do remember, there, I have great memories of times that I have spoken up on behalf of someone or have defended someone, and it's great, but what I remember more are the moments I didn't speak up. What I remember more are the moments where, where I should have said something, but I didn't. See, my, my family, what they like to do for Christmas, and I know this, is they give me a bunch of gift cards. So they just give a, we, everyone just gives each other a bunch of Visa gift cards. It's like their easy gift. And so whenever that happens, I collect all the gift cards, try to see like what the amount was I got, and then I save it to get something good. Like I'm like, okay, if I could save this, I'll be able to buy something good later because uh, I don't want to waste it on like Chick-fil-A. Like, not Chick-fil-A is a waste, but I'm just saying, you know, you got to like save it for something good. And so a few years back, I did this and I was waiting to figure out what I wanted. Um, but it took me a while to figure it out, uh, a long while, to the point where I, I didn't know that gift cards had expiration dates. I mean, it was a Visa gift card. <laughs> Some of you are judging me right now. <laughs> it was a Visa. I did not know that they expired. And so by the time I went to go use it, it was, it was too late. <laughs> I couldn't use the Visa gift card because it actually expired. And this, even your words, our words have expiration dates. There are some things that we are supposed to say when God tells us. Because that could be a breakthrough for someone else right then. And when I think about this, I'm like, God, I mean, I was repenting. Like, Lord, like, if there's ever been a moment, like, what if it, what if it was me that could have been the help of someone that has been stuck in shame for years? Like, what if, what if my speaking up actually could have helped combat that? And I get it, we live in a culture where it's a cancel culture, and you're afraid. I've been there, it's like, well, I don't, I don't wanna say that. Or maybe it's, it's just, maybe it's just not your personality. Like, I, well, I'm just like naturally like a shy person. Like, I don't, I don't wanna say that. Guys, it's not us, but it's Christ through us. Where have you been given a voice? Whether it's in your school, whether it's in your workplace, in your home, where have you been given a voice? And what are you supposed to speak up for? What are you supposed to defend? What are you supposed to speak up on behalf of? I wonder how many silent killers could have been, through, have been uh, killed through someone else's speaking up. How much shame could have been depleted if someone would have just spoken up? How much bitterness could have been uprooted if someone would have just spoken up? How much anxiety could have been seized if someone would have just spoken up? But these silent killers have a way of getting us. Guys, the church, like God uses the church. That's the thing is, it's not about just individuals. God uses people to help people. And we're supposed to start speaking up. So when do I defend? How do I defend? How do I speak up? When it brings life? Anytime it's gonna bring life. If you're gauging, should I say this? Should I get a, like do I, here's the question to ask. Does it bring life? Ask yourself, will this bring life? In Ephesians 4.29, or 4.29, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their need, so that it may benefit them. Another version says, so that it may grace them. We have the ability to grace other people with God's presence, with his character, with who he is, literally just through our words, if we would be willing to speak up. Do your words benefit others? Anyone could defend themselves, but I wanna be a people, I wanna be a body where we defend others. We'll speak up for others because we serve a God who spoke up for us.
We serve a God who did not just leave us in our sin. We serve a God who decided that he will defend us. A God who sent his son down on this earth to live the life that we should have lived because he was defending us. He didn't have to, we didn't deserve it, but he wanted to. And Jesus was led to a place where he knew he was gonna be killed and he was asked this one question, knowing that if he answered this question, it was gonna bring him to the cross. And it was, are you the king? Are you claiming to be the king? And he spoke up and he said, yes, I am. And he knew how to use his words because he could have spoken at any moment, his words are so powerful, he could have spoken him himself off of the cross, but instead he stayed on the cross for us so that he could die for you, so that he could die for me, so that he could die for our sins. But praise God, he did not stay there. He died, but then three days later, he rose from the dead. This is good news. Three days later, he was resurrected. And the Bible says that if we believe in that, if we believe in his gospel, that same, that same uh, confession that I was just talking about, we could use that confession right now and we could have life because the Bible says if you believe in your heart and who Jesus is and what he did and you confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. Our very confession can literally save you. If you believe in your heart, if you believe in this gospel message, because just like Jesus went and he died, we too are supposed to die to ourselves, but we too are supposed to be raised with him, with life.